Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, I got to ask you a question today. All right. All right. So you rejoined our team on yeah. uh, a Monday night, and I unfortunately injured myself somehow and wasn't able to play. So why don't you fill me in on how the game went? I haven't looked at it yet. So, yeah, big game Monday night. It was the last game of the draw, and from what I gathered, I had missed the previous two games and combined the team had scored one point in those two games. Scott, I'm pleased correct. to announce that in one game on Monday night, we doubled our point total from the previous hey. two games. Yes, we scored two points on Monday night en route to a 9-2 to two loss in a game that <laughs> uh, I played like somebody who hadn't played in a month. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. so we're going down to D, but good news is Barbucks are in play. Barbucks potentially are on the table. Yeah. There's five games left. Uh, so the last draw, we are in D. Whoever finishes first in D, five bucks a person in Barbucks for the start of next season. That, Scott, is why we lift all those weights in the summer. Yeah. And maybe I lifted too many weights, and that's what uh, happened to my. <laughs> happened to my body but uh, i hope to be back on the ice saturday we have a rare weekend game yeah. as we try to make up all the weeks we missed so i'm um, hoping to be there in form and hoping that we get back to our d division ways with you returning to the helm as our skipper <laughs> yeah so we went undefeated the last time we were in d with me skipping move up to c and we got our brains beat in uh collectively <laughs> everybody had a chance to skip and we all did poorly so we're on, back on our way uh down to d that included one default so that's where we stand on monday nights uh thursday night my thursday night team kicks off tomorrow the final draw as well so we'll have to see how that goes where uh, i believe we are also in play for bar bucks potentially uh starting Ooh. out uh after what has been a tough season so far mostly i would say due to injury so uh, as opposed to our ability. I don't think you go from an A team down to a D level team uh, just on its own, right? And injuries have been involved. Yeah, I, ideally you wouldn't uh, make that <laughs> make that uh, go. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know who's not going down to D, Scott? Anybody who's currently playing in Prince George. Uh, the <laughs> Women's World Curling Championship is ongoing out in Prince George. As we record this, coming off a very fun game uh, this afternoon in the east part of the country. It was the morning draw out in Prince George, Canada, and Sweden. Canada gets off to a big lead, uh, getting three in the first, then back-to-back steals for a 5 nothing lead. But as we say all the time, curling is a game of runs. And Anna Hasselberg and her team came back in the second half, had potentially a chance to tie. Very difficult shot to tie the game in the ninth end. She mm-hmm. couldn't make it. And uh, Carrie Anderson ends up winning that game in the 10th. But a really good comeback for Anna Hasselberg. I tweeted after the game that that was a fun game that would not have been a fun game if it was only eight end games. So uh, I continue mm-hmm. to be a fan of the 10 end version. Um, and I don't know, Scott, I haven't watched 
all that much of the Women's World Championship for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that it's hard to get when TSN isn't showing it, when Canada isn't playing. It's not as readily available as it has been in years past. But overall, what has your impression been of the action so far? So I, I've enjoyed watching what I've been able to. Uh, like you, I haven't been able to watch uh, outside of TSN. Uh, not for lack of trying, but more more for lack of, uh, you know, having to work during the day and that 5 p.m. draw is, is sort of the best time. But I, I'm like enjoying it. I think the no tick rule, I don't know. I don't know if it's a mistake to do it at the World Championships. Uh, you know, if you want to do this at the Junior Bs, with all respect to the Junior Bs, like that, I think that's where you test these rules. Although the skill level isn't quite as high there. Uh, we've seen these things tested in the grand slams. That's probably the better test bench for these kind of events. So I, I do feel like the games have been more in doubt than they would be otherwise, you know, given that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Carrie Anderson had to deal with center guards in that 10th end where she wouldn't have had to otherwise, uh, given a made made tick. But uh, overall, I'm enjoying the quality of the play. And uh, I guess I have to apologize to Denmark again, Sean. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Denmark and Madeline Dupont, five and two. We'll come back to the tick rule because I have have stuff I want to say about that. But this is by far the most important thing. Uh, Madeline Dupont is now, Scott, taking the Jamie Murphy role of the player who you just completely dismiss all the time and then comes out and wins games that you don't expect them to win as they currently sit at five and two. That does include the Scotland matchup, which they did not have to play. So they're four and two in the games they've played, five and two overall and i tweeted this too just as a side note world curling federation please just add the wins on for the teams that haven't yet had the scotland slot on their schedule just put the win there uh, so that we don't have to look at the standings and be like oh who do they still get the scotland win or not let's just put it there we know it's there uh so why are you making this more complicated than it needs to be uh but they do have that win and they get Mm -hmm. uh, italy japan norway sweden and the americans left so going to be a tough road to hoe for Madeline DuPont. But Scott, they are five and two. I think you had them as like a two-win team or something. What do you have to say to the entire country of Denmark? Uh, uh, not much, no. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick with this. They beat, uh, okay, they beat the Korean team today that uh, started 6-0 and oh yeah. in an extra end on a, a tough shot that went to a measure. Not that anyone saw it. No, that's my TSN crapped out, right? Uh, yeah, everyone. Yeah, TSN <laughs> crapped out. It was like they pulled an NBC. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, I had another thing going on, so I couldn't, I, you know, I, I couldn't deal with it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens when they, you know, they lost to Canada pretty convincingly. Mm-hmm. Anderson was in control of that game. Uh, all the way yesterday on Tuesday, uh, they've still got to play uh, the Japanese team, the sweet, uh, the Swiss, of course, and they lost to Sweden also convincingly. So it's, uh, yeah, okay, they'll be around the playoff hunt, but I, I you know, I, I still don't think they're medal contenders. Yeah, maybe not, but I mean, Italy, Japan, Norway, maybe not Japan. 
in terms of wins, but if you if you look at Italy, Norway, those are going to be their two big games. Seven and six probably might be enough, uh, depending on how the head-to-head matchups go. Who else is in that neighborhood once we get to the end of the week? But uh, it's fun to have Madeline Dupont in the mix, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. And I've sort of maybe blocked out last year's uh, playoff <laughs> appearance for them. So. Uh, so yeah, so fun stuff there for them. Uh, just getting back to the tick rule really quick. One of the things that I think is, is interesting about the idea of the tick rule and something that people have talked about is maybe a criticism of it is that, well, you work the whole game to get that hammer late in the game in a 10th and potentially an extra end. And you're kind of taking away some of the effectiveness of having that and, and what the team works for. But since you know that that's coming, maybe that influences decision-making earlier in the game. Maybe you make some more aggressive choices to get that extra point potentially, go a little harder for a two earlier mm-hmm. in a game. Uh, so you're not in a situation where it's tied coming home. Maybe you're, you're looking now that you really want to be up one coming home, uh, potentially up two coming home. And I don't know, maybe it just forces the play a little bit more and doesn't allow teams to sit back or bail out as early in ends as they have been. So I do wonder if that could, not only just the fact that you can't tick itself reduces potentially the idea of, oh, let's just play for this blank because the the stones are there in play, but also because you can't do it later in the game, it's a less appealing strategy decision. Yeah, and for sure, it it brings more rocks into play. It it makes it more interesting to watch. Uh, just the venue, choosing the world championships to debut these. I know these are world championships that don't, quote unquote, don't matter as much when it comes to Olympics. But it, there's still, you know, teams competing for world championships that are playing rules they've never played before, which mm-hmm. seems a bit counterintuitive. Yeah. Like you say, though, it's yeah, it's probably the, the Grand Slams is, is where to run these rule changes. The thing about doing it at, say, a Junior B's, or even the junior A's or any sort of other event is that the caliber of player isn't as good. So you don't quite get the sense of how it would play at the top level. It's kind of like when major league baseball does things at the low minor leagues. I mean, those are good players. Yes, but it doesn't give you a true sense of how to play at the major league level when it's the best players uh, and how they will uh, use the rules. So if you're going to try it, this is the year to try it at a world championship and, uh, Hey, if Anna Hasselberg wins and people are like, well, it doesn't count as a real world championship because of that tick rule, then uh, we have a big problem in uh, curling. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, not uh, not ideal. No. All right. We mentioned, or Scott, you mentioned uh, Korea. They were undefeated going into that game against Madeline Dupont. They've had a great week so far in Jun Kim, but they still have the power players left to go. Uh, they have not played Canada, Sweden, or Switzerland yet. So see how they stack up once they get to those top three teams. But terrific week for them so far. The Swiss continue to be the class of the field. They are undefeated at this point, having already played uh, the Swiss and, or excuse me, the Swedes and the Canadians. So uh, there's nothing here, Scott, to suggest that going into the playoffs that we shouldn't expect Tiran Zoni and Elena Pats to be the favorites. Yeah, of course. Uh, looking at the statistics, their last stone efficiency so far this week, 67%. The force efficiency is at 79%. they are uh, just completely dominating uh, the other teams. They've also stolen 11 ends and only given up one. Uh, that's a pretty good recipe for 
winning curling games. Uh, Sweden also up there when it comes to uh, the last zone efficiency. Uh, and those are the top two teams in the field in terms of plus minus. So, uh, you know, the, the numbers are bearing it out. Their play on the ice is bearing it out. Sweden, of course, uh, just lost that game to uh, Kerry Anderson and Team Canada. Uh, Canada a little further behind in the plus minus than you would like to see. And another place that they've been a bit behind, Sean, is in the last stone draw. So, Of course, this is our great national export at this point. Poor shooting at these events. Poor draw shot challenge. So listening to the broadcasts, uh, Russ has picked up on it that the ice has been a little tricky for Carrion and the team so far. Different paths are running at different speeds. Uh, talk of the pebble being a bit sharper. Okay. Um, but this is the thing. They, they've managed to climb into the sixth position. So they're middle of the field. Uh, pretty close to Sweden, actually. But for a team that's, that has aspirations to win this, you want to see them a little further up. Just to ensure that they get that tiebreaker position. Because if it comes down to something between second place and third place, say, if, we've, if we're giving Switzerland first place, uh, that's huge. That's an extra game, right? It is uh, for sure. I, I think, though, they do have it on their racket right now in that if you look at the teams who are at two losses, uh, which, of course, they are, Sweden has two losses, uh, the Danes have two losses, and the Americans have two losses. Korea is at one loss. And Canada still gets to play Korea and the Americans and have beaten Denmark and Sweden. So if they win out, unless the Swiss also drop to two, then they will have beaten everybody else who at this moment has the chance to be at two losses and would get that spot. And it doesn't come down to draw shot challenge. So, so it is on their racket in that sense that if they win out and the Swiss don't suffer some sort of a calamity, uh, that they do have the pole position right now or not the pole position, but they have it in their control to yeah. get that second place spot without having to come to that. But it is nice to see that they have improved over the course of the week. And you've gotten that sense in the broadcast and just in, in watching them play that they're getting more comfortable with the ice, certainly changing conditions. And I, it, it's interesting too, that, you know, if you, if you're looking in the crowd, when they show the crowd, especially when they're on the end sheets, it's like the sheet opposite of where they're playing plenty of good seats available but right <laughs> where they're playing like the crowd is is there which is fair enough they're the host team uh, and that's what yeah. you're seeing but today apparently it was raining this morning in prince george and then everyone's crowded around that sheet you could see the mm. frost and you could see yeah. that the conditions weren't ideal uh, for playing now of course both teams are on them but it's trickier when you have those changing conditions sheet to sheet it's harder to pick up on it uh, but it seems like they're doing a pretty good job and, and val sweeting's playing out of her head that well not really out of her head she does this a lot now but the shot she made in the 10th end that triple peel uh just a remarkable shot and really kind of ended the game yeah yeah and uh in the games where canada lost uh including that what was their early loss to uh to to norway Norway. they lost to norway val really didn't play well i think he i think she shot 60 something percent uh and you could tell that that was really not setting them up in the position they needed to be for Kerry to take advantage and get those multiples, which is kind of the opposite of what we saw uh, in the last two games against uh, Japan 
well, I guess before today, Japan and uh, Denmark, where they were scoring those multiple points when they had Hammer converting, getting the threes even, uh, yeah. which really allowed them to run away with the games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, really, really great performances. And this is when you want to really start to be peaking as we head into the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, of course. They were supposed to play Scotland tonight. They do not. I mentioned it earlier. Everyone is going to get a win. Just to add it on to the, the standings right now. Unfortunate news for Scotland. Uh, first time for those uh, for, for that team to be there and to get those positive tests, not be able to participate. Uh, last report that I read is that everyone is feeling as well as possible under the circumstances. Uh, so we certainly hope for a good recovery or a quick recovery for the team. But uh, d- unfortunate news, not only for the team, but for the event as a whole. Uh, you hate to see mm-hmm. something like that come in. Good that, at least so far, none of the other teams have had any issues uh, with COVID. And uh, just cross our fingers that it stays that way for the rest of the week. Yeah. I mean, I mean it sort of defies logic that nobody else has COVID at this event, right? A little bit. It's conf- so... it, it, it is a little weird. But, I mean, the I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I've been in the Ottawa Curling Club when people who have subsequently tested positive and I didn't get it. So, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, whatever. It is. We're yeah, having it fun is watching what it curling, is. right? It is, it what, is it what it is. is. Yeah. Uh, so, else, elsewhere, we mentioned sort of the glut of teams now at two losses. Uh, again, it's interesting to look at who still has that Scotland spot. Like, the Americans still have that Scotland spot. They're at two losses. Denmark doesn't, also at two losses. So it does kind of just change the formula of how you think of it, like with one extra game that you actually have to play versus that free win that is coming up. Uh, you currently have seven teams that are competing for the six playoff spots. Japan is at four and three. Then, as we said, the teams at two losses, Canada, Sweden, Denmark, the Americans, Korea at one loss, and the Swiss. Scott, out of those seven teams, based on what you've seen, and of course, certainly the the remaining schedule influences it. But who do you think is the the team that is on the outside looking in when we get to Friday night? I, I think it could be Denmark. Still, Sean, uh, they've got to take care of business uh, against uh, the teams that they can beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Jap- they still have Japan, uh, they still have Switzerland, they still have USA. Uh, yeah. I could see them. Co- I could see them falling down for sure. USA, of course, still has Sweden, Switzerland, Canada. Uh, but they also get the benefit of that Scotland game still. So uh, as you mentioned, I, I like the way they're playing too. I like them for that uh, that playoff position. So on the outside looking in, uh, right now, I, I would bet Norway uh, to be on the outside looking in of that, those teams. That well, was that, teams that's, they, they weren't even in the teams that I uh, the listed. Okay, they were the right? eighth team. Yeah, so Germany and Norway are down at four losses. Yeah, we shouldn't totally discount them. Of So really, could we put it up to nine teams? Uh, Kristen Skazlian mm-hmm. has that nice win over Canada for her uh, and that team. They still get the Czechs. They get Denmark. They can bring them back. They get the Japanese still. They can bring them back. They have the Scotland slot still left on their schedule. So they can get to seven wins still. They even more, yeah. Uh, right, they could get to eight still uh, in theory. That I believe they still have to play the Swiss, so they can still get there. Uh, the Czechs, I'm sure you're not the Czechs. The Germans, sort of tough so far for Daniela Jensch and her team. They still have to play Canada uh, and the Swiss and the Swedes. So it's going to be tough for Daniela Jensch down at four losses to keep it to seven and six or eight and five. Uh, but there's still a chance for her. But I, 
given that schedule, I, I don't have a lot of hope. I would have a little more for Kristen Skazley to claw her way back and potentially given her schedule, she could drop Japan down to her mm -hmm. uh, loss level and then have a tie break potentially over her and same with Madeline DuPont. So there's a chance still for Kristen Skazlin, I would say more than Daniela Yench, just looking at the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll bet then of the seven teams you mentioned initially yeah. that uh, the winner of the Denmark against Japan game gets it will be that sixth playoff spot. Okay. Good stuff. So that'll be a big one to watch. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Italy one and six, uh, Turkey zero oh, and seven. They of course will get a, a win. They will not go fully undefeated, but we'll see if they get a win in any of their games. The team hasn't played great, um, but Yildiz has made some great shots on the updates. Yeah, uh, that's sort of yeah, what I said going into it. She can play. Yeah. Oh, she she can play for sure. And uh, the depth isn't quite there uh, for Turkey right now, but uh, it's exciting for them to get this opportunity. Yes, they will get a win. Uh, we'd like to see them get a win on the ice too, uh, yeah. under their belts. Yeah. So and, that, uh, the, uh... the, Ch the Czechs are also in the situation where they, their one win is against Scotland. Uh, it's in the Scotland. Actually, they won that game. That's a game they actually played. They won they 10 to play, nine. Yeah. So it could be a situation where, Hey, maybe Turkey beats the Czechs and then everyone has won a game on the ice. And Sean, so uh, Japan and Denmark are playing right now, so okay. we should try to get this posted uh, ASAP. So, <laughs> uh, well, no, just because we don't know the winner of the game as we record this, doesn't mean that your proclamation of the winner of that game gets the spot. That doesn't change that. You're right. That doesn't change that. But yeah. just so people know, yeah, it's five thirty, five thirty Eastern time on Wednesday as we record this. Yeah. So that's sort of the situation from the women's world right now. I do want to uh, clarify something from our last episode, and I want to thank uh, Kelly Ray Snyder and Ling, uh, the great Ling from uh, the Hong Kong national team, who both wrote to us to uh, point us to the, the way we can clarify the situation with Russia at the women's world championship, because we noted that the Czechs were in, and I believe I said, well, what about Latvia? They were the, the last team out at the world qualification event. So both of them, thank you for sending this in. I thought it was important that we correct this, that the Latvian women were offered the spot and they declined it due to the short timeline uh, to the beginning of the championship. They couldn't get everything together to get there. Then the World Curling Federation offered the spot to Finland which was the fourth place finisher at the world qualification event. And they were also unable to accept the spot. So they went to the next or to the three highest teams in the world rankings who had not yet qualified and each offered them at the same time. Uh, and the Czech Republic was the highest ranked of those and accepted it. And uh, one of the teams, so Hong Kong was included in that list. Uh, and so Ling said that they would have played if it got to them. Uh, but the Czech Republic accepted before them. So I just wanted to clarify that uh, so that Latvia was, in fact, offered the spot first and then Finland. So they did go with the world qualification event as the first measure of it. Unfortunately, those okay. teams could not participate in the event. And further to that, on the men's side, Finland did accept the spot uh, on the men's side, I guess, because they have more time. Uh, to mm -hmm. get everything ready. Uh, and they lost the game to the Dutch in the world qualification event, that last play-in game 
at the world qualification okay. event. So on the men's side, Finland is going to get the spot based off of the world qualification event. Okay. Okay. Very, so just uh, wanted to uh, clarify that. Yes. Thanks for that. And yeah, thanks to Kelly and uh, Ling for letting us know that we should do that. And I'll just say, if you're on a podcast, potentially a curling podcast, and you're correcting something that was incorrect from a previous one, just correct it and say that we got it wrong and we apologize and don't blame the people who are listening for misconstruing the very clear words that came out of your mouth. Exactly. Elsewhere, uh, in this Russia stuff, we should note that today as we record this, the WCF announced the replacements for Russia at the Mixed Doubles Championship and the World Curl- and the World Juniors, which is coming up in Yonkping later this spring. So Spain is taking the spot at the Mixed Doubles Worlds. And oh, at good. the World Juniors, it's going to be Scotland on the women's side. And on the men's side, it will be Korea. Very good. Very good. Uh, glad to hear that that th- those replacements are there. Yeah. Do you want to hear something uh, potentially upsetting to your household, though? Uh-oh. Oh, Hungary didn't get it? The, hung- the Hungarian women were offered it and were unable to take the offer. They declined as they were unable to send a team on that short of a notice. Yeah, too bad. The, the Hungary, I think it was the men's team that had uh, the issues at the junior B's. Um, Or maybe it was the women's team as well, but uh, that's, that's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. So we now have full rosters for those events, everything else that Russia was scheduled to participate in their open events. So no replacement teams need to be declared. So that is all settled for this year. See what happens next year. Very good. All right. Speaking of next year, Scott, we got some team announcements. Do we ever? Are these sourced, Sean? Are these properly sourced? So we are only going to talk about the ones that have been officially officialized. And that's for a couple of reasons. One of which is that one of the reported new teams uh, that came out of uh, the highly publicized report uh, has not been accurate. So like, for some of them were right, like credit where credit's due. Some of them were right. Uh, but certainly in one case, it was not accurate. So we're just going to do the official ones because there's enough meat on that proverbial bone to talk about the official ones, I think. Okay, let's do that. All right. So let's start with the teams that are staying together. Krista McCarvel and Glenn Howard, I think, are the two big ones there that have announced that there will be no changes. Krista McCarvel and her team did so in the more entertaining way by talking about how they wanted to make a change, but they couldn't find a player. So (laughs) uh, very, very excited to see the four of them together. I did watch Krista on that curling show, and it was interesting to hear her talk about the changes that they will make moving forward, uh, potentially having Rick go to Sudbury to practice more uh, one-on-one with – uh, who lives in Sudbury? Which one of them lives in Sudbury? Kendra Lilly lives uh, in Kendra Sudbury. Kendra Lilly. Uh, so that there's more on-ice time between Rick and her, maybe having Kendra go to Thunder Bay a little more frequently to practice. So they, they are looking at changes, just not lineup changes there. Uh, so kind of interesting to, to yeah. hear the, her perspective on, on what they want to do. And again, very Scotty's focused for them as opposed to an Olympic focus uh, that they're focused on that national championship. And then Glenn Howard was just Glenn Howard and uh, talking about how he just wants to play. He has a good time. Going to keep going. Joked that he was worried that uh, the team might retire before he does. 
uh, <laughs> they're starting yeah. to get old now. Uh, and I noticed someone in the comments, they, they didn't pick up on it. I know it's hard when you're doing those live shows to see all the comments, but one of the comments that came in was like, how far are we away from a three generation team Howard? Uh, like, I don't know how old <laughs> Scott's kids uh, are, how old the oldest one is, I think still toddler age, but if, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, oh, that'd be fun. Like uh, we could see that. Yeah, I think it'd be a a fun thing. I'm, I'm sure at some point, uh, you know, God willing, uh, that they'll be at least in a fun spiel somewhere in Penetang Machine, uh, and the three of them will play together in, in some capacity. Yeah, we'll bring them bring them up here for the Gordy Perry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Grandpa can hang out with all the other old curlers who are playing the Gordy Perry. And- <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, oh, that'd be really fun. Really fun. Yeah. So Glenn did also intimate that it would, it, he, he presented it to the guys as one more year. So who knows what that means mm-hmm. in, in Glenn Howard talk. So maybe it, it will actually be one more year, or maybe it does become more of a hybrid situation. He talked about playing so much in the fall and so quickly after his accident last year mm-hmm. that it, it really hurt his knee. So how much can he play? given the amount that they have traditionally played, like one of the reasons they're so highly ranked is volume. They're a good team, but they don't win a lot of events. They make playoffs and and have a lot of events on their schedule. So is it a situation where Scott's going to start to skip more of those? You get a hybrid scenario. I don't know. What, what do you think for, for them? Yeah, I think, you know, we saw them win Ontario with Scott skipping. So, that's sort of the the passing of the torch, uh, so to speak. So yeah, I could see definitely a, uh, what do you say, more of a hybrid approach, like you said, where, uh, you know, some spiels Glenn plays, some spiels he doesn't. Uh, making sure that his body's in shape for those Ontario playdowns, I think is going to be important to them uh, going forward. Like it's, they're, they're obviously still capable, right? Still capable to win. Uh, and making sure that uh, Glenn, who's one of the best uh, throwers ever, is in prime game shape for uh, those big events is is going to be what their focus should be until, you know, he decides he doesn't want to. And at the same time, then Scott can like get better, get more reps skipping uh, because obviously he's talented enough to do it and will eventually uh, skip one day uh, his own team. Yeah, I, I wonder if they could do something to to make it a little easier on Glenn where you'd kind of do the Russ Howard, Brad Gushu thing where Glenn calls the game, uh, maybe throws lead. We've seen Kerry Galusha do that or, or throw second or something because all those the, the other three of them can all throw. Uh, no question about it. But m- maybe you do have that situation. You get Scott used to throwing the four stone more regularly without the added issue of, of having to skip without that added pressure on it and that's maybe a way to ease him into skipping a little more not necessarily that he needs it obviously is having won ontario but something there or they just play and like have like they do have have a good time they do they do uh so we saw that uh elsewhere on that curling show uh brad gushu was on and uh brett galant confirmed to be leaving that team no word uh confirmed word on who the fifth or on who the fourth is going to be EJ Harnden is going to go to the world championship with them. So speculation there exists. Uh, there would be question though, about what that means longer term, because somebody would have to move to Newfoundland for that situation to work. 
Maybe it's Jeff Walker. I don't know. Maybe somebody already lives in Newfoundland. Maybe. Maybe. So Brad Jacobs, as we talked about last week, he's not going to play. I thought he was very candid on that curling show. Uh, of all the people who were on, I think he was, I don't, well, he, he gave us the most, I think, uh, of anybody mm-hmm. who was on that show on, on Monday night. And just very clear about, I'm going to sit back. I don't know if I want to play anymore. Uh, definitely a year, maybe more. Talked about the intensity that they played with and consciously, like real conscious effort on that team to kind of rein it in. Um, and, you know, we've talked on the show a lot about what we saw in Ottawa in 2017 and that that was not a team that could win uh, given the amount of pressure that they put on themselves. It manifested itself in very negative ways. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, discussion and sort of evolution of of Brad Jacobs. Uh, And then probably the biggest headline in terms of the new teams that we've had is Caitlin Laws is going to go back to skipping. She is going to stick with Jocelyn Peterman at the second position. Of course, they've played together for the past four years with Jennifer Jones, but they are picking up Kristen McCush as the lead and Selena Negevin at third. Last week I mentioned for Tracy Fleur, I was like, oh, can you get somebody better than Selena Negevin? And I was thinking of it from Tracy Fleur's perspective. I Probably didn't have a choice because uh, Selena Negevin yeah. uh, looks like she just uh, made that decision to go with Caitlin Laws. The only thing I'll say about this team, a great team, no question. Up and down, all four of them are very good players. And I feel kind of weird saying this, but is Caitlin Laws too good to be a skip? Like, is she <laughs> too good of an all-around player to be a skip, to be standing there for six rocks an end is that almost a waste of how good she is at judging and sweeping yeah that's uh that's interesting sean that i i understand that that sentiment and that thought and honestly you yeah you might be right uh thing is you're not you're not losing much you know with the other three members of that team uh, when it comes to sweeping and judging uh, judging stones and all that. So uh, if you're taking like a 100 out and putting back a 95, yeah, you're losing a bit, but maybe not enough to be important. Right. And if, if Caitlin is, you know, making the shots, maybe even making the shots a little better because she's not, you know, recovering from sweeping. Maybe that that's just me when I'm like, huffing and puffing after uh, going post to post uh she doesn't have to worry about that but uh, you know maybe her shooting percentage or how comfortable she feels in the hack uh comes up a little bit and then uh she's already an amazing shot maker and it it might have some room to grow not uh, not sweeping yeah and certainly she's a national champion skip already at the junior level so certainly yeah. she can do it and could surround herself with players who are good enough to do it. So yeah, it's one of those things. I felt the same way when Adrian Arsenault became the anchor of the national. Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know it's an important job and it's a promotion, but she's so good as a field reporter. Uh, like she's too good to sit in a studio. Like, <laughs> right. She's yeah. really good at the anchor job, but she was so good as a reporter. Uh, and I, yeah, I, that's, that's sort of the same reaction that I have here. Like, yeah, the last two shots are the most important two shots at the end. So you want someone as good as Caitlin Laws throwing it, but she does so many things so well. 
Like, uh. so, uh, so that'll be a, a really fun team to watch. And I'm really curious to see where it lands now with Tracy Fleury, what, what Tracy Fleury ends up deciding to do where, where she finds a home. Mm-hmm. She obviously has the birthright uh, in Northern Ontario. She can go back to Northern Ontario. She could potentially be an import for somebody else across the country. You know, are there players in BC who might want to do something in terms of a province that might be a little more open now that Marianne Arsenault is stepping away, uh, potentially Saskatchewan, Robert Silvanagel. There's sort of players there who who need folks to, to curl with. So I'll be really curious to see what happens there with Tracy Fleury. Uh, the other lineup on the women's side that is getting some attention is that for as much as I, I like the statements and yeah, you can put your sponsor's names at the bottom of your statement. That's all well and good. <laughs> Saying that you're going to announce your new team member on your sponsor's podcast is brilliant and doing that five days in advance. And when your sponsor is a betting website and people like John Cullen are now going to come up with odds for who the player is going to be, it's a very brilliant synergy of sponsorship and interest. And that's what Rachel Holman and her team have done on Friday on the cool bet podcast. They are going to announce who their fifth or who their fourth player is going to be. And interestingly enough, Scott, they said who our lead is going to be. So there's not ah. going to be a shift of, of Sarah going to lead and finding a second. Like the, the post they put out very clearly said, who is going to be our new lead? So Sean, knowing nothing, what would yeah. be the most fun announcement? The most fun in terms of what? Yeah. Like what would get us, like what would get the most interest and all that? Yeah. Like, well, for me, the most fun would. Well, is Lisa Weagle. It's Lisa Weagle, right? That would be so yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Weagle is the one that would generate the most. Like what? Like that would be all yeah. gifts and just reaction. Like <laughs> there wouldn't be any analysis of it, right? It would just be like what? But yeah, that would be the most yeah. crazy, like fun one. There would be some pretty fun uh, peaches and herb gifts <laughs> of uh, reunited. But it, but anyway, we're we said we wouldn't speculate, but that would be pretty fun. Just that would for be the fun. the Twitter explosion. Yeah, and they have a a weird dynamic in terms of who they can pick in that they kind of have the whole country to pick from because they all have birthright in Ontario. So if they want to keep playing out of Ontario, like they can pick anybody from any like anywhere. Uh, If there's some desire for them to play out of Alberta, I don't know why there would be, but potentially there could be, then they have to pick an Alberta player uh, because MMSU still lives in Ottawa. So that would be the dynamic there. So unlike some other teams that are looking for players and and might need to finagle sort of where they live, this team has the whole country to pick from and that makes it even more interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's, it's wide open and it'll be fun to hear an announcement on a podcast by the actual teams. Yeah. All right. So anything else, Scott, on the, the team stuff that we haven't touched on, from either last week or this week. Any other things yeah. that stand out to you on the roster shakeups? Yeah, real quick. Uh, Laura Walker announced uh, that yes. she was, uh, she and Jeff are expecting a new baby. And as a result, uh, has decided to focus mostly on mixed doubles with Kirk Myers for at least the next year. So, uh, you know, that'll be uh, another name from both the men's game and women's game stepping into more of a mixed doubles focus, which is pretty interesting and pretty easy to say in the first year of a quad, uh, you know, before some other teams might come knocking on your door. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm excited for that. Uh, they, they were a good team playing together for the last four years. And uh, I think we'll continue to be, I guess, three years. Yeah. But the statement does say, Scott, that their focus is 2026. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Like, I, I, I certainly understand from Laura's perspective, a, a little surprising from Kirk or Kirk Myers uh, to not play on the men's side, but that does allow them more flexibility in the schedule overall. Uh, mm-hmm. They can certainly play the same amount as they have been if they choose to, given that Laura's going to give birth at some point soonish. Uh, they probably won't play a super heavy schedule in the early fall, but they can pick up as they go. But yeah, it just allows that flexibility. Where's Jeff uh, when he's off and playing, it's not necessarily going to be all the same events. And like, so they can, th- there's that personal flexibility that you get from doing it, but also really the, to me, this is, I know John Morris did it, but John Morris is really an outlier in, in so many ways in this sport, but this is kind of the first, or I would say the highest profile duo to kind of step back from the four-person game and really focus on the mixed doubles. Yeah, and uh, uh, Kirk's partner, Claire, uh, I believe moved to Toronto or is moving to Toronto for working with I thought it was Ottawa. I thought she was Ottawa-based. Oh, that's that's perhaps, yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll yeah. see uh, him around the club. There you go, yeah. I thought I thought she got like the Senators beat or something. Oof. We'll have to, we'll have to a, fact check that one next week. Is that a promotion? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, fellow UBC Thunderbird. When they're in the Stanley Cup finals in a couple of years, Scott. Anyway. Ah, okay. Oh, I'm sure I'll really eat my words. <laughs> That's another time for me to uh, be able to post the Denmark dancing photos. Really, any time that you're wrong, I will just post that video of yeah that's that's great where did you find that that's how they ended the broadcast oh so you did get back on the broadcast uh just in time to see that Love yeah it. it came back during uh kathy was interviewing val and then as they went to commercial they showed uh denmark <laughs> dancing it's great yeah good for them good yeah. for them all right, yeah. So uh, exciting news there, uh, I think, uh, and certainly uh, that continued transformation of the mixed doubles game here in Canada and, and the way players, high-level high players, elite-level players uh, from the four-person events are treating it. And we'll see how that now manifests over the next quad as we get into it. So I think that might be it, Scott, unless there's something else I'm, I'm missing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, that's it for me, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all good. Oh, wait, no, Scott, there is one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Our friend Jerry from Belgium. Ah. He reached out about a bond spiel that they're holding, the Godin Carolus Classic in May of 2022. Uh, now, I, I apologize that I'm sure my pronunciation is not going to be quite right, Um you know, I've spent some time in Belgium and my pronunciation, I've been told by the locals, is uh, not exactly on point on some of these terms. But this is an event that is going to be taking place from the 26th to the 29th of May over there in Belgium. Uh, all the information on it, if you happen to be over there, 
uh, and want to play in it, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Jerry talks about it as being a real fun time, like a relaxed bond spiel, uh, a cool place. You know, you have some drinks. It's the end of the season spiel. Uh, they have an yeah. outdoor terrace. So uh, kind of a fun time. So yeah, so and Jerry is on the board of the Zemst Curling Club, which is where this event is taking place. So just wanted to highlight that fun looking bond spiel in Belgium. Uh, and Jerry, if we can ever get over there at that time of year, looks like a fun time. Yeah, it does look like a fun time. I'm, uh, you know, I'll be in Belgium, but not in uh, May. Darn. Right. And I'll be there again, not in May. So yeah, maybe one, yeah. one year, one year. There's a couple on our list now, Scott. Of yeah, fun, we do have fun events we want to go to. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I would, oh. Yeah. The outdoor one in South Dakota. South Dakota? Montana? Uh, Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> I was wrong on both of my guesses. The outdoor one in Idaho uh, looks the, it's called the SOB. I can't remember what the S stands for. But yeah, that one looks really good. Uh, we want to get out to San Francisco. Uh, they got their facility open. Uh, I'd like to go back to Pittsburgh. They got their facility. Atlanta, I kind of regret that we didn't make a, a trip out to Peachtree when we were there in 2019. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of a lot of places we want to go and uh, and play. So, hey, if you got fun spiels that you want to let us know about, uh, certainly feel free to reach out because uh, I love hearing about some of these uh, fun bond spiels. Yes, we'll. Uh, like you said, we've added another one now to our list. Uh, yeah. I haven't played a spiel in three years. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just thinking about uh, travel getting more and more open. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Definitely want to get out and spiel as long as Absolutely. I can get my back, uh, my back in shape. Sure. Yeah. You got to get yourself straight here. Yeah. Brutal. Big game Saturday, Scott. Big game Saturday. Big game. And then yeah. we got to turn around and go sun on Monday again. Oof. Yeah. It's going to be tough. I have to get into uh, that recovery room. Yeah. Yeah. Good things going. Rub yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that will do it for us this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps us grow the show. Do head on over as well to gameofstonespod.com. You can find all of our past episodes there, plus a link to the merch with all proceeds from the t-shirts going to Food Banks Canada and the rest of the stuff uh, proceeds to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We are matching all of those proceeds as well. And of course, you can follow along with everything we got going on on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Facebook is Game of Stones Podcast. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So that's going to be that. Some late nights coming up, although they have adjusted the schedule for the Eastern time zone, Scott. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern final on Sunday night, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you, TSN. I appreciate it because not only is that a reasonable time for me, it also is after the uh, Canadian men's soccer match in which yes. if they haven't fully qualified for the World Cup by then, um, hopefully they do it Sunday and there'll be a big party and that game in Toronto. So it should be a fun sports Sunday, Scott. And Sean, don't forget the Academy Awards are on Sunday night. Oh, I had forgotten and I will forget again. Okay. Very who's, good. who's the best pitcher? Who, who wins? I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll be watching, but, uh, last, last year you watched doing. all the movies. Almost all the movies last year. Yeah. I've watched quite a year? few. Well, I got a couple in the queue uh, still to watch that I'm interested in watching. Of the ones I've watched so far, 
don't know. I like that Disney one and Canto. That was fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that'll win best animated. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Heard it here first. <laughs> Scott, well, maybe it's a good thing you hurt yourself if you still got movies you got to watch. I, I still do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, enjoy, enjoy everything going on. We'll be back with you next week to talk all about the women's world championship. Who's standing tall at the end of the week. And we'll start to look ahead to the men's world championship out in Las Vegas, which is kicking off a week from Saturday. So still a lot going on in the world of curling and we will be here to talk about it with you. So until we chat again, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.